gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 331st episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your Trimble Unvolos, Brendan White. Find me everywhere on all them socials and gaming platforms at Brendan8Bit. And joining me, as is the new tradition, or maybe the August tradition here on the THG Residency Series, is Australia's finest. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself. Jono Peck, how the bloody hell are you? Fantastic to be back again, Brendan. Uh, plenty to talk about this week, and uh, it's you know, it feels like the slower part of the year, but there's definitely still a bit we can juice out of uh, the news, if if not the games we're actually working through. I think I completely agree. Like uh, you hear in a lot of lot of sort of various industries, whether it be gaming, pop culture, or otherwise, you know, the dog days of summer, mm. and uh, it is very much that, obviously, we're here on the, uh, the Southern Hemisphere, so it's maybe the, the cat days of winter, <laughs> I don't know what the uh, equivalent is for the South, but uh, yeah, it's a bit lean out there in the streets, but we've still got a nice, uh, hefty following of gaming and culture goodness here to share with everybody that has uh, yeah, very kindly given us their time today and yeah. chucked us in their ear holes for episode 331, but I guess JP... We might get things off, as we always do here, as is tradition, on what we like to call... The Week That Was. So, Jono, yes. I'm going to throw it over to you first because I've been travelling a little bit this week. I was uh, I was working remotely down in sunny Tasmania ah. during the past week. So, so my gaming time was limited, but yep. I still managed to get some stuff done, which we'll talk about. Yep. But uh, JP, what have you all been doing this week? I've been reading some books... Brendan, lately. Okay. I thought I would change things up a bit and talk about literature. <laughs> uh, they are, uh, as was what my dad used to call them, uh, skin mags by chance. No. They weren't any any skin mags. You're, you're a little bit more wholesome and uh, a little less smutty than the late great Papa Rick, I assume. No, nothing like that. I'll I'll keep it in the realm of uh, you know the spirit of this show. So th- there's some mm-hmm. video game books that I've been reading. Um, have you heard of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle no, Seven? Okay. So it's a book that isn't like it's uh it's not some deep cut. It is a you know New York Times bestseller. The author was on uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon because it was his first like Jimmy Fallon book club you know award winner, which I guess is mm-hmm. like the the Jimmy Fallon version of the Oprah book club. And um, it's just a really fantastic story that I've recommended on my socials, but I thought it'd be a good audience here to promote it because. If you're into, uh, you know, those stories, I guess you could call it a coming-of-age story, but it's a story that goes mm-hmm. over several decades of these two uh, platonic friends, um, a guy and a gal, who make games together from about 1993 through till the late 2000s. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it takes you on the journey of them getting into game development, meeting each other, you know, they meet through... Um, a hospital visit basically and become friends and it it covers their friendship over these two decades and in that decades they're making games together they're having falling outs they're you know doing the typical back and forth that happens uh when people are business partners and friends at the same time Mm -hmm. so it is a really cool story Um, i'm sure that it will be turned into a movie or a series 
at some point because it's um done really well and it's very well researched in that um it feels very authentic and true to the stories that you hear about especially that era of game development like the the early to late 90s and early 2000s and uh, the kinds of conversations and things that are happening in that world it's it's a uh, definitely a, a read i can recommend to to people out there that okay. have an interest so yeah it definitely uh sounds very appealing and uh right down my alleyway that's for damn mm. sure so uh i'll have to sort of add that to the list and, and see if i can pick up myself a, a copy yeah. yeah i love to read and uh if it can bring in and reference a lot of my favorite things uh, i think it's going to feel good and it'll probably feel f- very familiar like you mentioned the time period yeah. where it's set i feel it'll feel very familiar and nostalgic it, so, yeah uh, it's very cool i'll give it a look and there's not many books that will reference suikoden and kojima and things like that so it is it's pretty it's pretty surreal to see that in uh, the pages of a book and not feel like it's smashed in like it's forced like re- yeah. like ready player one or something like that where it's just like oh i'm gonna like reference a bunch of stuff to show how much nerd credit i have it's it doesn't come across in that way at all fortunately because i can't stand that kind of um writing personally uh the other one okay. i've been reading i think coming off of that i was in the mood for a bit more so i went down to my local library and picked up blood sweat and pixels by jason schreier uh, which mm-hmm. is people may be familiar a, a deep dive into the development stories and sometimes development hell of um different studios uh producing a bunch of games it's got interviews with people talking about and each chapter is a different game so you know uncharted 4 diablo 3 stardew valley uh halo wars there's something for kind of everyone everyone's taste as far as games and some chapters might not interest you as much as others but just the theme running through it is just how many obstacles there are to getting a game out that's good (laughs) and what it takes to actually get there whether it's crunch or delays or all that kind of uh into office stress and politics and uh tensions that happen so it's a a really cool insight it's not anything new for me to say that this book's uh, a a pretty interesting look at that because i think it's been well uh documented and discussed on socials since it came out (laughs) only about six years ago uh but i've yeah really been enjoying actually reading that it's it sounds good like firstly shout out to your local library having a copy i feel that's a very like (laughs) not specific like it's it's a very niche book to have in a library Mm. and yeah that's that's awesome that it just made its way here to our shores and uh into sort of a we wouldn't say a country but like a you know into a local library in general i think would be great so that's awesome yeah i've um I've, I've wanted to pick up a copy for a good long while because, yeah, I like what Jason Schreier does. And, and, yeah, he can be very divisive with how maybe he reports Absolutely. on things. <laughs> a lot of people love him. Some people hate him. And then there's people in between. But, like, I, I really respect the the work that he puts in to, to sort of shed a light on some of these development cycles. Mm. So it'd be cool to sort of read it through in a bit more of a structured format instead of just a, yeah. a short article or a quick social post. Yeah. So I'll have to uh, exactly. chuck that on my list as well. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you would have read excerpts from it when it came out about different studios and i i also have issues with a lot of things or ways that jason try approaches news coverage but there's no denying that this is a level of insight with the interviews that he's got with the studios firsthand it's none of it's like from other people's interviews or secondary sources it's straight from the the, the horse's mouth uh and yeah quite a quite an interesting look at I guess the last probably 10 to 15 years of 
game development from AAAs mm-hmm. to indies. Uh, and when I'm done with that, I've reserved at my library uh, the, I think it's ma- called Masters of Doom, which is a story about the making of um, Id's original Doom um, game in the 90s. So I'm on a bit of a, a game dev kick as far as reading goes to fill in this gap of not being much interesting me as far as games to mm-hmm. play. Uh, and Brendan, I recommend that you go down to your local library and uh, support the the literary arts. I, I agree. Like I, I love a library. I've always been a big fan, always drawn to them ever since I was a, a child growing up in the Snowy Mountains. Our local library didn't always have a ton of assortment, but I always liked the ability that I could go in borrow four books churn through them bring them back like it's it's such a great concept and the fact that mm. cities towns everything else in between has well most of them have a local library and it's free to sign up and you've just got this infinite wealth of knowledge and entertainment at your fingertips like do it if you yeah. can and some of the libraries now they do like ebooks like ebook borrowing and functionalities and stuff too so you yeah. can like get time copies of stuff for your Kindle and things. So if you want to read it digitally, you can. You want that physical touch, which I'm still very horny for when it comes to books. I love <laughs> I love the feel and smell of a, of a book in my hand. So I always try and go the physical version. But yeah, having both options available at no cost to you, potentially 24-7 is phenomenal. So yeah, do what you can to support your local libraries because there's so much there. Yeah. They, some of them even have video games. I haven't personally yeah. seen anything I've ever And DVDs, to borrow. you can borrow movies from yeah. some of them too. Unlike, uh, unlike Game Pass or PS Plus, it's actually free, not just yeah. free with a subscription. So, with an asterisk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's it's pretty cool. And like you don't even have to interact with anyone now. You can just find the book, scan it, and you kind of walk out. It's pretty cool. Um, so no, no dealing with librarians unless maybe you want to deal with a librarian. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> people have a few fantasies about those i'm sure so uh see if you can make that reality listeners yeah. but let us know if you do either way in in terms of games as i said it's been a bit slower i've been trying to finish tears of the kingdom and i'm probably in the minority where i'm not like compelled to smash through it into every shrine and find every item and build every monstrosity of a, of a device out there uh, i i actually find it very overwhelming because i've gotten towards the end of the game and still haven't learnt how to do a lot of that crazy stuff so i feel like it's really just people putting the time in to teach themselves the different mm-hmm. physics and systems and engineering which goes well over my head it almost feels like it's a completely different game that i'm playing compared to some of these people uh, and i have actually got towards like the last kind of run of of main quest lines and hit a bit of a difficulty spike with uh okay. Like uh, what's the the boss? It's not a spoiler, but it's called um, Phantom Ganon, and I'm just like, okay, either I'm gonna have to go and mine a bunch of equipment and uh, resources, and go and find this weapon and that suit of armor, and get good, or I can uh, ask my nephew for a bit of help next time I see him. So I don't know. It's, it's I'm probably gonna have to put it down and and come back to it later in the year. But uh, yeah, it just hasn't uh, hasn't hit with me in the way that it has for a lot of people. As as much as it's impossible to deny its uh, creativity and excellence in a lot of areas, it's mm-hmm. not something that's made just for me, which a lot of people feel like it is. And I, I think you're probably on my page and still yet to to play a minute of it. Are you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you there. Like, I, I respect the hell out of the game and what they've created, but it just doesn't resonate with me the way, and with you as well, by the sound of things, the way it does with so many others out there. Like, like I will find some time to play mm. it between now and end of year just to sort of give it a fair shake of the stick when it comes to the, the end of year awards and such, but I've just got no motivation to play it like mm. so many people that we know or i know message me like oh you know we know you play games like what do you think about tears of the kingdom and i'm like i don't really think anything because <laughs> i haven't played a second of it so yeah i will eventually because i need to need to see what the hype is about but i just know that i'll enjoy my time but i'll then move on to to bigger and better things mm. in, in my opinion yeah like some yeah. people are talking about this is the you know potentially one of the goats and that's fine you, you're welcome to have your your opinions and your your love for a title like that but it's just not a game that's made for me and that's fine yeah and it's not like i've rushed through it i've done like 50 shrines which seems like a good number of shrines and uh it sounds like a lot it, yeah and it's still only scratching the surface like there's this whole world up in the clouds and this whole world down below in the depths that i haven't really even bothered to <laughs> explore there's parts of the map that are still like not uncovered and i'm just like oh, i'm just gonna go for the for the final boss I, I i gotta get this out off my plate before dessert comes which you know there's so much more to play this year i'm not sure when you'll find time to to sneak in a, a yeah. few hours but uh yeah that's that's the hardest part because there are so many great games out at the moment that are consuming my time and so many great games still to come mm for 2023 that yeah i'm i'm gonna need to like take a sick day at work or something to try and fit some time in just to throw like eight to ten hours at um, a sick week maybe <laughs> yeah at, at uh tears of the kingdom just to sort of give it its due but um yeah i've still been playing some games this week i did mention that i've been traveling mm. but luckily my asus rog ally has been uh helping keep me occupied whether it be on the plane in the airport because i got my flight delayed twice coming home on, oh, no. on Thursday night, which was awesome. Not so fuck that. But um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of gaming on the handheld, and it's funny because I went from like two ends of the spectrum as far as what you'd think or not think you'd play on a handheld. Like I was gushing about Baldur's Gate three yeah. last episode on three three zero, and I've been playing that on the ROG, and it feels really great on the handheld. Like obviously, it's you don't get to sort of understand exactly what's going on on every corner of the screen because i'm going from 75 inches to like i don't know 10 inches or something maybe i'm being completely incorrect and i can't remember the screen size <laughs> on my rog right now but i'm scaling it down to like one tenth of the size roughly and it still works it still plays really well the controls feel fantastic on the rog so i managed to chew through a few hours on that but i also wanted to take some time to play a game that uh you know, I think not only us here, but I know Ali was very excited about when it was announced last year as well, is Stray Gods, which is the latest sort of musical indie role-playing jaunt that has uh, hit not only PC and Steam, but you can play it on Switch, you can play it on console as well with Xbox and PlayStation. came out on August the 10th, so it came out about you know a week or so ago now. Done by Summer Four Studios, so that's a Melbourne-based studio. Mm. Done by like, and it's been written by David Gator, who's obviously very, very well adversed when it comes to uh, RPGs. Done some stuff with Kotor, done some stuff with Dragon Age, and this game is great. I've been really enjoying it. the The sound obviously plays a huge part in it because it is a musical, but 
I'm really enjoying the story where you're playing the role of Grace, who's a college dropout, and she's sort of fronting fronting this sort of, uh, I guess, up-and-coming indie band with her friends, and then she sort of gets weaved into this murder mystery with Greek gods, and the way they utilise music, like anyone that's seen the trailer knows that Grace is singing a lot, and like off the back of that, she's sort of got these godlike powers that make her, in air quotes, a muse, and you're just trying to unravel this murder mystery in time, otherwise the gods are going to kill you because they, I guess, falsely assumed that you were the one that killed Calliope, who was this this sort of muse before Grace inherits the powers. And so you're working through that. Um, it's got some sort of visual novel aspects, like it's all still frames with minimal movement, like you're not controlling Grace across the screen, it's just going from from frame to frame and there's text-based options to choose and how how you choose to respond to certain things will make the music sound different so it's going to sort of genre jump when the when these songs are playing out so the way grace is delivering her thoughts and the music that's coming out and then the interactions between the characters you meet along the way it's really good like they're sort of saying because there's so many different ways with and these narrative paths weaving in with how the music and the interaction of the storytelling plays out that no one song, like no two songs, sorry, will in air quotes, you know, ever be the same. Mm. So they're very unique playthroughs is what Summer Fall Studios are telling the masses. And it does feel great because it feels like I'm getting my own personal experience when playing it. And it's just been easy. Like I said, I've been sort of remote and traveling. So handheld gaming, a nice, really simple RPG where I'm pretty much just pressing a button and moving the the joystick or the D-pad to select my choices. So it's, you know, it feels fine in the hands, but the voice work is phenomenal. Like anyone that's that's sort of seen the media tour that's going around from this this game itself. Like we've got you know Felicia Day in there, Raul Coley, Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Like so many yeah. heavy hitters from the cool. from the voice community and they give it their all in this game and it's just it's fun it's very unique like i haven't played something like this in i don't know how long as far as a musical based game and weaving in the rpg elements with like living out an actual musical it just works jp and i'm i'm really vibing it like the metacritic score it's averaged across sort of P- ps5 xbox and pc at say 76 77 i'd probably score it a little bit higher um, from from my my feelings with it, but like you know that score is still not not bad. Yeah, and that's that's a, a pretty respectable score, and it's awesome to see sort of Summerfall Studios come out of the gate so strongly with this game because it's uh, phenomenal. And you know Melbourne, you know as as it's both being Victorian boys here now, <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to see some local success. And um, yeah, it's well worth your time. Yeah, it's it's the kind of idea that you have to just give points for the originality in itself, let alone Mm -hmm. the execution, which sounds like it would have like just without playing it, thinking about it, a lot of things to overcome as far as the way games are usually structured, the way that musicals are typically structured as far as narrative and, you know, interactivity. So I feel like that was a big challenge to tackle. And for the most part, it sounds like they've nailed it. Uh, So that might be one that I'll check out in the future but yeah to, to have that cast of voice acting i think uh our boys tripod were involved with a lot of the writing it's pretty cool to nice. see that's um, sick. you know i've been a fan of tripods for going on probably 23 24 years so it's it's cool to see them getting into the game space a bit more uh and just um yeah bringing in that uh that local vibe with 
world-class voice acting and, and singing as well. That's that's very cool. Yeah. It, it's very impressive. Like the art style, great. The, the sound, the voice acting, the music, it's all just like tick, tick, tick as far as top tier. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. So if anyone wants something, I guess that's a little left of the norm mm. uh, from what they might've been playing, this is well worth your time. And um, yeah, the fact that you could go through this game multiple times and get different results and, right. and see your grace react and sing and, and interact with uh, characters differently than the, the previous playthrough is, uh, you know, pretty incentivizing as well. I'm typically a one and done type and I still probably will be with this because that's just how I like <laughs> my games. But for those people that do like to replay things and sort of uh, see see what the flow-on effect is from zigging instead of zagging when they did the opposite previously, this could be a game for you. So, yeah, Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. Chef's Kiss, definitely 8-bit approved. Uh, super quick. As far as what I've been watching this week, I went and checked out Dracula, The Last Voyage yes. of the Demeter, went to the cinemas and checked that out and um, really enjoyed my time. Really enjoyed my time with this movie, JP. It was visually super duper impressive. The, the The sets that and the locations that they shot at were stunning. The writing was pretty, pretty great. The CG and also the practical effects with what they did with Dracula, really good, very creepy, very violent, some real gory scenes. Some of the writing did get a little hokey at times, but overall it was really fun and enjoyable and scary and unsettling. And I like that this was just made off the single chapter in Bram Stoker's Dracula that was written, you know, hundreds of years ago now. They've taken that Captain's Log chapter, padded it out to a movie that that ran for around two hours. And it did have that, like I mentioned last week, alien at sea vibe. Mm. It had that where they're getting stalked by this creature People are fearful, people are getting picked off and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, it was really good. The the ending, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I probably wouldn't have executed it that way totally, but I really enjoyed it and yeah, def- definitely do not regret my time. It's a solid seven to seven and a half for me. It was uh it was good. Very, very different than a lot of um horror movies I've watched lately and, and very good, fresh sort of take on the whole vampires genre that gets beaten to death with so many retellings and interpretations and this was this is good jp yeah good times looks like a like i said last week it looks like a cool little uh idea the whole like die hard on a plane die hard in a um you know on a bus applied to the alien story so mm-hmm. alien on a boat is uh is pretty cool i might have to check that out when it's streaming somewhere yeah, I've, I've got something else I wanted to mention, but I guess it's easy to throw to you first because uh, connecting that vampiric tissue as far as yeah, what yes. you've been watching. I'm still yet to watch season five. I keep forgetting that it's out and it's airing at the moment, so I'm very upset at myself <laughs> for that. But um, yeah, tell me what you've Yeah, been what we do in the shadows is uh, firing on all cylinders with season five, fortunately. It's rare, I think, especially today, to get a comedy that's still so funny and fresh after five seasons now. It's kind of wowing me that there's a new season here already like i feel like i just watched season four um Mm -hmm. but i guess it was probably yeah probably midway through last year it's still so funny it's still so like fresh and original and you know the story of uh i mean i I guess nothing really changes except for uh, guillermo's journey to become a vampire from day one through to Mm -hmm. where we're at now it's just that um that's continuing to tick along so they're they're keeping things fresh in, in that way but uh oh man it's just it's just funny it's it's hilarious and clever and matt berry's 
weird pronunciations for simple words just continue to blow me away like it's worth watching just to see how he's going to say a word that you think you've heard said the only way it can be said he's the best he is the best and yeah his like you said his his vocal delivery is just like the show is phenomenal but those just little nothing moments where he he takes a word or a phrase in a completely new direction, kill me. Like I was just thinking about the New York City exchange yes. you did in season four. <laughs> and oh my God, it is magical. It kills me every time. Yeah, I wonder if he just looks at a, a scene and says, hmm, this one's lacking a few laughs. I'll just make up my own. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He's he's a he's a savant. Like his comedic timing is is second to none. So yeah, mm. more of that, please, Matt Berry. And yeah, I can't wait to jump yeah, into, into season five. I'll get through that uh, very quickly. I don't know how many episodes have dropped so far. Maybe four. I think or five? five or six now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's great. That's great. And something else that's ongoing at the moment that I've been watching. It's on Netflix. I just wanted to quickly mention an anime called My Happy Marriage. It's done by uh, Cinema Citrus, and yeah, it's on Netflix. Seven episodes available right now, but it is so emotionally impactful and beautiful and heartbreaking and real. I I know I say that because there is some sort of supernatural based elements in the show itself, but uh, it's focusing on this young girl named Mio and she's sort of grown up. It's easiest comp as you could say, you know, she's the Cinderella in this story where her father's remarried, evil stepmother got a new sister, horrible people, and she becomes pretty much the servant of the house, but then she gets married off to a guy who's who's known around the place as, as a pretty bad dude. So they've sort of married him off for a power struggle, but then due to their own, I guess, hard upbringings and, and misconceptions within society, they sort of start to develop a bond and potentially happiness and maybe love, who knows? But mm. JP, I've been crying in just about every episode <laughs> of this, and it's been getting me so good, and... It's, yeah, beautiful, it's heartwarming, it's tragic, but it's just real. And that type of storytelling with with that drama and I guess that layer of will they, won't they, will they have the the storybook ending, that just hooks me all the time. So, yeah, um, My Happy Marriage, it's on Netflix. It's really, really, really well done. The animation style is phenomenal. The voice acting, whether you want to do sub or dub, is really great. The pacing's awesome. And yeah, it's just relatable in some ways, even though I did mention there is this sort of magic supernatural sort of sprinkling mm. that's always in the background. But um, yeah, it's just really great. And it's, uh, it's, it's touched me, JP. I've uh, <laughs> shed many a tear oh, and nice. I can't wait to sort of see where the anime goes. Like it only started airing in July, so it's, it's getting a weekly drop. Okay. So they didn't do the full season loadout. So I've just sort of been waiting very impatiently every week for the new episode to drop um and i feel i'm probably going to buy the manga and work my way through it because yeah and it's really hit me in that way because yeah it's great so check out my happy marriage on netflix should you want some very heartfelt and raw and real animation but jp let's jump into this news and notes from around the internet presented by audio technica yeah listeners we are back to give you the best notable headlines and talking points from around the video game and pop culture industries. And the first one I've titled, You Have Not Seen The Last of Us. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Craig Mazin, the creator of the series, 
The Last of Us discussed the show's budget increase for its second season and his experience with budget negotiations. He mentioned that the negotiations usually involve some pretty tense back and forth, but he's not worried about it reaching a reasonable level. He also expressed confidence in HBO's commitment to the show's creative value. Regarding the show's potential seasons, Mason acknowledged that while they initially envisioned around four seasons, that final count may vary. He explained the different storylines might require varying numbers of episodes. The first season of the show spanning nine episodes, covering the events of the game The Last of Us and its expansion. The debut season received critical acclaim and strong viewership, earning numerous Emmy Award nominations and prompting HBO to renew it for a second season just weeks into the first season's run. Mason and Neil Druckmann, the president of Naughty Dog and co-writer slash director of the game series, has indicated their intention to create a third season, recognizing that the second season wouldn't fully cover the story of The Last of Us Part 2 due to its complexity. Also during the interview, Mason also hinted at casting discussions for the role of Abby in their second game, but mentioned that production was halted by the current writer strike. He also expressed satisfaction with their casting decisions so far, even some, even though some might initially disagree. So JP, the sweet spot could be four seasons, could be five seasons of The Last of Us. How do you feel about this? And, and obviously this could flow on furthermore with the the strong rumor mill about a, a part three coming out down the line anyway so that five could expand to six seven eight who knows but does this make you feel good because i know you are a very very big the last of us fan both in the game form and also what they've done with the first season yeah. of the adaptation but how does this news make you feel jp uh it's it's good that we're getting more off definitely because there's a story that remains to be told uh, especially with the way that that season started for this version of Joel and this version of Ellie, like I feel like we now need to see where their story goes, being slightly different from uh, from the video game. So, yeah, I'm I'm keen for more. I think season, uh, I think The Last of Us Part Two game probably should be split into two seasons. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. There's a few different ways you could do that. If you've played the game, I'm sure that will make sense to you. Uh, but yeah, as for a fourth season, that would suggest that they're going to kind of go beyond uh, what we've played. I don't think part two could be turned into three mm-hmm. distinct seasons. And then you're suddenly in a more interesting conversation of like, do we think that the show should go off in its own direction uh, regardless of, of the game ending at two at this point in time? Uh, should they wait for part three as a game to come out and then do a TV version of it? I'd be kind of annoyed if the game was to come after the TV show because you know that being the original version of Joel and Ellie. I don't. I, I wonder how Game of Thrones, uh, you know, the book fans felt about the show going ahead of uh, of where they were at. It, it's um starts to get into a kind of a, a metaverse or a multiverse at that point where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this is our version of, of the story. This is their version of the story. But then at the same time, you got Neil Druckmann involved in both of them. So it's inevitably yeah. going to not quite be as clean, clear cut as that. So yeah, I, I just don't know where it will go. And, you know, they're going to have a difficult decision to make when HBO's holding a big bag of money saying season four please or season five and they're like uh the game's about five years away from coming out or whatever it is because we know factions is the game they're working on at the moment 
maybe part three is also like halfway through development for all we know because factions are certainly taking its sweet time mm-hmm. um yeah so a lot of questions about this and uh i guess the thing that i will take away from this is that craig mazin is thinking about it in the long-term sense which is a good sign um he's someone that's earned our trust or my trust definitely um i think for sure yeah like it was on this show a couple of years ago that i learned that the tv series was going to be based on the game and not some separate thing in the same world and i was uh not happy about that initially but with what they did and the way it was handled can't complain at all so i've, I've got my faith in Druckmann and craig as that combination of uh showrunners so yeah bring it on we'll watch it regardless and it will be fantastic regardless <laughs> i'm sure yeah i i feel i feel well not quietly confident because i'm talking about it right now but i feel pretty good with where this show is going and, and as long as Mason and Druckmann stay heavily involved throughout the entirety of this process i feel we're in good hands hmm. and, and i think having Druckmann not only sort of handling the the writing duties in the direction of the the game franchise but also the the live action adaptation it feels we're going to get some nice consistency like yeah game of thrones ended up being a dog's breakfast at the end and it was very rushed and condensed but i'm hoping they give these guys enough time to tell the story they want to tell in its entirety and not try to cut things out just for the sake of getting getting there and it doesn't feel that that's going to be the case when they are sort of open to saying, oh, you know, four seasons, five seasons, who knows? Like that feels like a good amount of time to let these characters get through their arcs and and tell a complete story. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what they do. And, yeah, like you touched on as well with part two, yeah, it feels like it needs more time to to appropriately tell those stories and convey those those big moments so yeah if they split that however they plan to across season two and three i'm down for it and even if even if a good portion of of season two is is i guess focusing on those few years in between the last of us part one and part two do something different and sort of go back and, and sort of explain what's happened in that break i'm down for that too because that'll be something new and and uh, untouched for us from the gaming side. So, yeah, uh, yeah we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I don't think we're going to touch part two or season two. God, like 2025 feels maybe a little optimistic now with the writing strikes, and maybe it's going to be 2026. Uh, so it's it's sad to think about, but then it also, I guess, long, weaves yeah. in nicely with uh, Bella Ramsey having the, the time jump from part mm. one to part two. She'll be aging up normally anyway so maybe it will kind of work out but for us to want to watch it now we'll be very frustrated because uh yeah i I want season two in my eyes and ears as soon as possible but yeah the writer strike has other ideas on i think that like the writer strike is is not going to drag on for like 12 months or anything so it it may be like a an interruption and that may that that will increase the amount of time to to get back on board and everything but yeah, I'd be hopeful that end of next year, start of 2025, by the time it, it hits TV screens. Bella Ramsey's already an adult, so I don't know how much aging up she can do as far as... Um, as- yeah, but like she's, she's what, 19, I think, in real life, I think. Yeah, she like so that. so she's still got some some aging to happen. Like God, look at you and me. Yeah, you know, we haven't we haven't sort of, we didn't hit 19 and stop. We're uh, yeah. still working our way through things, but. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But it, it's just, I guess, the the sort of bow on this story mm. is it, it's good to know that 
Neil and Craig are on the same page yeah. and HBO are on the same page with them saying, let's, let's tell this story the right way. And, and yeah, not have a game of Thrones based situation where season eight was just a piece of poo. Uh, moving on to the next bit of news here, title this one, the industry fears the spidey sense. So Ubisoft has shifted the release date for Assassin's Creed Mirage forward to October 5, creating more separation from other new releases in the same month. The game was originally set for October the 12th. Similarly, Remedy Entertainment has moved the release date for Alan Wake 2 to October 27th from its initial October 17th release date. This change aims to provide more breathing room amidst the numerous new AAA titles launching in October. So October is packed with tons of new releases, including Assassin's Creed Mirage, Forza Motorsport, and a double release on October 20th of Spider-Man 2 and Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Both Ubisoft and Remedy hope that these date adjustments will allow gamers to fully enjoy the range of exciting titles coming out during the month. So JP, October. Yeah. It is quite the intimidating release slate. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to work. We've got PAX Australia thrown in there, and I'm also taking a few weeks off in October, so I'm not going to be playing most of these games, but it's nice that they sort of thought about gamers mm. as a whole. Well, I guess that's the positive spin they put on it, but it's also they don't want to have their sales impacted during these couple of weeks. But we've sort of got some solid gaps now throughout the entire month to sort of fill our gaming quotas up. Yeah, it was quite interesting to see the PR perspective on on this like the way they approached it they didn't name spider-man but it was very transparent the way they said you know it's a, a busy month for games and we want to allow people time to to play every game basically and uh it's almost conceivable to see someone being able to play each of these within those gaps in between release dates mm-hmm. spider-man i don't know it's probably going to take more than a week to get through before uh, Alan Wake, but it's a lot more manageable than, you know, just the, the few days that it was before. So yeah, it's, it's good to see and it's, it's clever and it's, it's almost like we need a, a council of, uh, of game industry, like a game industry council. That's like, no, nah, that month's already full. Sorry. You're going to have to mm-hmm. <laughs> push your yeah, release. It's almost <laughs> like they've got to book appointments in, right? They're like, yeah, I'd like yeah. to release this week. Like, sorry. That's where Spider-Man 2 is. These are the windows we have. Are you happy with either of those? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they know when what they're going up against. And, like, aiming for that month in, in and of itself, any year. Like, you could say October 2024. I don't know what's coming out next year. But it's anyone's bet that that's when a bunch of heavy hitters are coming out. September, October always seems to be pretty crazy as far as the big triple A's, it's probably something to do with annual reports or AGMs or when their business financials to the shareholders need to, mm. to be uh, pledged or, or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it tends to be March as far as like the Q ending Q1 ending before financials. And yeah, th- there's a pattern to this and it's, it's not a coincidence that everything seems to happen at once, but uh, I do think, it's wise for those other games to clear out from the ones that are going to eat their lunch. It's the reason that we're going to see a huge gap next year whenever GTA 6 is expected to drop. Like No one's mm-hmm. going to want to touch that unless it's the kind of game that uh, is just a completely different audience. You know, I feel like GTA is one of those games where everyone's probably going to be checking it out, so it's a bit tougher to... You know, it could wipe out half the year for for some gamers, especially if the online component is 
as big as it's been in GTA 5. But um, yeah, it's it's a, a good move overall is how I'll end that. Yeah, it's, it's very smart. And it's, it's funny that we... Well, not funny, but it's interesting we didn't see anything maybe slip into november because november it's it's got your call of duty modern warfare 3 is confirmed yeah. uh, but outside of that like we've got super mario rpg and not a ton of like massive unanimous needle movers like a spider-man or like a gta as you mentioned so maybe november might have been a bit of a, a better softer softer sort of relocation for some of these games because yeah october is pretty packed like we didn't even mention like i'm just skimming october now to see what else is there and outside of those we've got the the lords of the fallens coming out we've also got the metal gear solid collection could be bit bit of a nostalgia yeah. hit for some and also alone in the dark uh, is coming out then too so uh yeah. we've got a pretty full slate september's even even bigger again so uh yeah that sort of back end of q3 into q4 for us moving into holiday season is is a nice juicy time for gamers and um yeah, people are people are gonna be well fed mm-hmm. in that time period, but I can't wait to to play all of those games. Assassin's Creed Mirage, I'm pretty neutral on to be honest. I've got a bit of Assassin's Creed fatigue going on, but uh, I'm super keen for Alan Wake Two yeah. and Spider Man Two, especially in October. Assassin's Creed is an interesting one because you and I both really enjoyed Valhalla, but it was such a slog, like it was such a long game that I, mm-hmm. if if it was to be the same experience, yeah, I could see that being hard to go back to but they've said that it's a return to kind of the old school approach to assassin's creed which if they if they're not telling porkies it means that it's probably going to be like a f- you know 15 20 to 25 hour kind of deal rather than a 80 hour or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know uh which yeah. would be very welcome and much more manageable if they want to hit those annual kind of release windows so i'm curious how it translates to a smaller endeavor whether they hit the mark with that and still feels um you know like a assassin's creed game that we've come to to know over the probably the past five or six years yeah Mm. yeah i'm i'm curious as well like i I don't have a ton of of enthusiasm to play it doesn't mean that i don't love the franchise it's just yeah i think i've got a little bit burnt out after after my last uh viking pilgrimage Mm. but uh circle back i'm more excited for what they're going to do with like the the stuff they're doing set in japan and things with the, sure. the other sort of spin-offs they're working on so so we'll see we'll see but uh yeah very smart moves overall just to sort of shift a little bit of that focus and, and allow some of these games to breathe and, and maximize those sort of uh week those first week sort of sales targets and injections into the market so let's see what happens come october JP, the next uh, bit of news that I've titled 360 Reasons to Say Goodbye. Microsoft has announced the closure of the Xbox 360 digital store as of July in 2024. Users will no longer be able to buy new games or content, but existing purchases will remain accessible. The Microsoft Movies and TV app on Xbox 360 will also stop working. However, purchased games will still be playable and downloadable and online multiplayer will continue for supported games. Xbox 360 games will be playable on your Xbox consoles through backward compatibility. Microsoft has emphasized their commitment to preserving players' ability to access their initial purchased content. And if we're going to sort of go down the nostalgic uh, memory lane here, the Xbox 360 was obviously originally launched in 2005 and its official closer comes 18 years after its debut, having been home to popular titles like Halo 3, Mass Effect and Bioshock. So JP, 
I know you are uh, you like to go back and play some of these older games that you might have missed being a primary PlayStation man growing up mm. as as a youngin. Uh, so if you do have some inklings to get into that Xbox 360 store and uh, grab some nostalgia, get in there between now and next July. You've got plenty of time. You've got about 11 months or so, give or take, to sort of build up that catalogue to enjoy those games as you're content. But it's uh, it's sad to see, but it's also, you know, 18 years of supporting a platform is still pretty damn impressive from Microsoft standpoint. So I'm not going to get the pitchfork out here because <laughs> that's a long time to support in air quotes, you know, a, a dead platform now because they've moved on several times over as far as new generations. But uh, yeah, it's uh, sad to see it go. So I've, uh, I'm, I'm holding holding a candle right now. I'm pouring some out for my 360 homie because I love that controller <laughs> and that console very, very much. But uh, onwards and upwards, Microsoft. Yeah, I think the interesting, or one of the interesting things about this story is that it is going to kill off some games that won't be available to purchase you know on modern consoles i don't really know how that works as far as which 360 games you can buy on the the modern version of the microsoft store but from the some of the stories i've read they're saying about 200 games are gonna disappear and some of them are already delisted so mm-hmm. do you do you understand how that fits into the to the infrastructure with the the 360 store versus the modern xbox store that has 360 games on it um not off the top of my head it's probably something we could probably have a look into to get some some further understanding but off the top of my head no i i haven't like i'm always you know i don't know if it makes me a bad game but i'm usually always looking forward for my games i've had my my time in the sun with my 360 and and i don't really have any inclination to ever go back so i haven't really given this feature much attention but i know people in our Mm. in our community or in our friend circle who love going back and playing these these old bangers uh, just to get that sort of hit of nostalgia and that touchstone stimulation. But yeah, they, it ain't for me. So I'm like, I'm happy for y'all, but I'm over here now. I'm playing something else. <laughs> yeah, I'm just having a little bit of a read and it looks like those 220 games are digital exclusives to the 360 storefront and they haven't been ported forward to later versions of the Xbox. So that's only really been done for probably your, your bigger releases that have a bit more of a an audience or a following so it's you know your fable and your viva la pinata or whatever like that kind of stuff <laughs> shout out to viva pinata that's a deep cut jp <laughs> that stuff's probably still there uh on on your xbox series x if you hit the store but yeah a bunch of uh you know microsoft was uh, ahead of the curve with the digital uh offerings and some of those are going to disappear so it is a, a bit of a shame for the preservation side of uh side of things and there'll be people that will be going through and buying every single thing they can get their hands on before it shuts i know that happened when they when sony announced the vita ps vita store was closing and the ps3 has gone through the same thing Uh, i I don't know if it was quite as many as as this but yeah it's um it's an interesting discussion about preservation and and whether you know is everything worth preserving uh yeah don't know it's it's tough because obviously spinning up these these data centers and things because there is a lot of uh, you know emulation going on with some of these these older generations across various platforms it costs a lot of money mm. so I understand that even though they are nice to haves or something that is on a, a gamer's wish list it's not always viable for your Sony your Microsoft etc because yeah that all costs money to to house all this data and yep. upload and download accordingly so. 
yeah, shout out to the Xbox 360 for giving me many, 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 many quality hours of gaming and uh, much uh, online multiplayer rage-induced discussions playing Modern Warfare 2 way back when, but uh, you will be missed. But you've still got plenty of time, listeners, if you want to snag a few of these titles. As long as you do it in the next 11 months, you should be okay. So, JP, that brings us to the end of the News and Notes segment here on episode 331. Let's jump over to this. Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. So JP, yeah. we are back with another iteration of the Carousel of Chaos. And um, you're going to be taking the reins on this one and uh, taking me through something. So what have you got planned for me today, JP? Indeed. Last week we had uh, the, the Cameo game, which was a, a great time. If people missed that, you go back and listen to that to see the outrageous amounts of of cash that are being charged by some of these game industry personalities but no today Mm -hmm. it's uh it's not cameo it is an old classic called video game 20 questions uh blatantly stolen from ign's game scoop that damon hatfield's been doing (laughs) this for years and years and years but i thought we can have some fun too and uh bring bring a thg bit of flavor to it so brendan sometimes we might do studios sometimes we might do gaming personalities but today we're Mm -hmm. doing a video game and you've got 20 questions to guess which game i'm thinking of okay so i've got 20 questions and just for the the listener's peace of mind you can only give me yes or no based responses right i need to ask a question that can be quantifiable with a yes or no based response yes unless it's a, a question that stumps me and i have to say Hmm. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then okay. and then that doesn't count for one of your uh for one of your 20. Okay. And I I can, I'll, I right. can give you some hints along the way too because there's a, there's a lot of games that. throughout history so let's let's not get crazy. There are many games throughout history. Uh okay, I'm going to start with um is this game on the current generation of hardware? Obviously, I want to also encompass that can include like PC. But like, if we're just going to sort of tie it into generations, let's talk PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X slash S type timeframe. So mm. the last uh, handful of years. Uh, it's pl- I will say it's playable on current generation. If that's what you meant. Okay. 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 All right. Is it a RPG? No. I mean, like, everything's an RPG, technically. It depends who you ask. But in in the sense of, is it an RPG as what we would probably generally consider an RPG? In the traditional sense, yeah. Okay. Um, Was this made by an American studio? Yes. Okay. American studio, not an RPG, playable on current generation. So that would... If it's playable on current generation... Oh, but that doesn't def- that doesn't explain if it's cross plat like it's on multiple platforms. Mm. Is this available on multiple platforms? Yes. Okay. It is multiple platforms. And it, you said it, it's an American studio. It's not an RPG. Was was this game initially released in the last, let's say, let's say ten years? Yes. Okay, last 10 years. Do you know if I've played this game? I know that's a difficult question. Yeah, I don't know, but I 
if gun to my head, you assume I've played gun, this game. Gun to my head, I'm saying yes. Okay. And I could be wrong, okay. but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. All right. It'd be a glaring. I think it would be a glaring hole in your backlog if you had skipped it. Okay. Okay. All right. So I've played it. Came out in the last. That's 10 a years pretty big. That's a that's a big hint for a yes or no answer. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a glaring title in. But see, like in the last <laughs> ten, like we've been talking games collectively pretty regularly for the last seven to eight. So, what's just outside of that window, like in that early like 2010, 2011 It's on all platforms. Did it win any notable awards? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, let me. I'm looking. I'm on its Wikipedia page, so I'll have to scroll through and see. Reception. Yes. Okay. Okay. Was the lead? No, hang on. I'll park that. All right. I need. To, I need to try and drill down on on the genre. Mm. That would help. Yeah, it's not an RPG. Would you say it's like a, like if we're going to say like a action adventure platformer, something like that? No. Okay, it's not that either. That that so wouldn't I, be how I would describe it. Like, can you jump how in would the you game? Describe it. You can jump. Okay. <laughs> but it's not an action adventure platformer. No. Okay. Did I mention it at all in this episode? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. How, what's that? I think that's, that's like nine questions. That's nine. Okay, by that's my nine count. Questions. Hmm. Can I? Can I get a? Can I? You said you could throw me some hints. Can I get like a little minor one? Does I, you don't need to sort of um, give me the entire keys to the kingdom right now? I'm trying to think of a hint that wouldn't be too much of a hint because we've only not we're only nine questions in. You can probably burn okay. a few to get the genre. Think about okay. so, think about some of the bigger genres. I'll, I'll say that's a hint. Some like it like a I'm trying to think like bigger genres. So it's not an RPG. It's not an action adventure. It's, it's, is it is it a FPS? Yes. Okay, it's an FPS that came out in the last ten years or so. It's on multiple platforms, done by an American studio. Okay, so we had Wolfenstein, uh, Wolfenstein come out in that time period. We've had some Doom come out in that time period. Hmm. All right. I, I don't want to like just start saying, "Is it Doom?" No, right no, no, no. Just go with some more broader. Uh, some more broader questions. So, yeah. American Studio, a shooter, a decade ago. It's available on. Does it have a online multiplayer component like? where I can play yes. TDM and stuff like that? There is multiplayer option. Okay. Okay. And it's and it's an FPS. Like, when I, when, yeah, I didn't just say shooter, I said FPS, so... Yeah, it's a first-person shooter. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't want you to loophole me. No. Like, oh, it's The Last of Us multiplayer, <laughs> sucker. I'm trying to think of all the other notable shooters. Like, we had... So it was Halo Reach was before Infinite American Studio as well that falls into Destiny is okay. hmm, I'm trying to think like 
is the setting like is it set on like like is it earth or like is it a mm. a fictitious planet like is, is that something you could answer right is it earth you could say yes or no it is not on earth okay it's not on earth shit <laughs> I'm trying to think because I'm like even even parts of Destiny is you're, you're going down to the Cosmodrome which is on Earth fuck um, <laughs> you're on is good it a, pace you've got it eight a, questions to go I've got eight questions yep like uh, is the character we're playing like seen as an anti-hero or, or like have some villainous ways or are they pretty pretty pure of heart for the most part ask that as a yes or no question please Brendan okay um <laughs> is the character you're playing seen mostly as as good I guess is a yes okay alright and are you fixed as the one character or can you select from <laughs> yes or no Brendan <laughs> are you stuck as one character the entire time yes okay alright that gets rid of any Borderlands games or are you trying to loophole me? Like, yeah, technically, if you select that character, you're stuck as them. <laughs> no, no loopholes. It's straightforward. Okay, okay. Like, I'm, I'm still leaning. Like, no, you said it's not on Earth, did you? It's not on Earth. It's not on Earth. It's a decade ago, first-person shooter. Yes, that that scrubs Wolfenstein. That scrubs Doom. Like. Deathloop is based on Earth, but that's current gen anyway. It wasn't from last gen. Quake. What are the shooters? I might, I might need a hint, JP. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a tough one. Uh, is Earth? It's a game that has been mentioned since we've been playing. This what? game. Oh, okay. You've mentioned it in your. It could be this. It could be that. Okay. But and it's not on Earth. That stops me because there is like Earth-based moments in like. Well, I guess I can't remember every iteration of Doom. God, what was the like? It's not Doom Eternal, which just came out. I can't remember what the Doom that was called before that was. How many questions was, have I got left? It was just called. I think it was just called Doom, wasn't it? <laughs> Twenty. They call I it. I, people call it Doom Twenty Sixteen generally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How many questions have I got left? This is this six. Is pressure. Six questions. Six questions. We need the okay, um. So I can, we need the hungry game show music for this, please. Yeah. I, I can put that yeah. in, in post. Um, and I've answered. So, like, are we gonna say? Is it Destiny Two? It's not Destiny Two. <laughs> That's 15 questions. Because I know they sort of scrub out a lot of the ability with seasonal expansions where you don't really go to Earth anymore. Um, and I said Wolfenstein because it was... Was it New Blood? The That was the one where you're sort of playing BJ's Daughters, but that's on Earth because you've young, run around... Like, young Blood, like, yeah. Young Blood. Yeah, that's on Earth. Oh, I think all the Wolfenstein games... Are all Earth-based, yeah. Like Doom, Doom, you go to hell and stuff, but you also like. I feel like it's got to be a Doom game. Like it's got to be Doom. 
like does it have a maybe does it have a super crunchy guitar laden soundtrack yes that's 16 yeah okay yeah so i'm i'm going narrow it narrow um, it down before you guess you want to be sure don't you you got uh four questions oh so so if i make the guess i'm out no because you already said destiny 2 yeah i said no but you know is there a bfg in this game (laughs) yes there is okay so we're we're going with doom okay we're going with doom of, of 2016 because yeah doom eternal was only last year was it uh no that was 2020 i, I think it's 20 2020 for eternal yeah it was what time flies, time flies during pandemics man yeah yeah okay so, uh, I'm, so with i'm your, gonna land on doom 2016 with your 18th guess you say doom 2016 it is doom 2016 congratulations <sighs> yes <laughs> when you <laughs> when you said it's not on earth that rules out doom i was like you sure about that because <laughs> it, I, it, it like, takes place on Mars on a research facility and then levels of hell don't you so. end up on or is that because I know you, there's parts of it where yeah okay yeah I got my solar system muddled yeah maybe there's parts that are on earth uh, I've I couldn't, I couldn't but that, that could have been like there's a million dooms too so I could have remembered that from other instances sure. okay yeah. so doom doom 2016 I just played it for the first time I played eternal when it came out and went back just this week it's one of those games that i've finished lately as i'm kind of treading water waiting for stuff to come out but it was in the ps plus Mm -hmm. collection uh you know extra collection i was like yeah i'll give that Mm -hmm. a shot and yeah pretty good game (laughs) it's so good the combat is tight the soundtrack though like it's Mm. got one of the best uses usages of music in in conjunction with gameplay that just keeps you pushing forward and just keeps you pumped like oh it's so it is an experience. Even though we're never going to see anything with Mick Gordon and um, and it ever again, it seems like. But uh, one can hope that they can uh, mend bridges and work yeah, together. Again. Yeah, they own all the music, I'm sure. So if, even if they just reuse yeah. what they've They'll already got, they'll run it got. through AI. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uplift this to to 2023. Away it goes. All right. Well, there you go. I feel good that I got there. I don't feel good that I talked my way out of the answer halfway through, but... <laughs> I had to bring you back by saying it's something that you've mentioned. Otherwise, you were just going to go off onto, I don't know, down some rabbit hole, Bioshock or something. Mm. I was I was mulling over Bioshock, um, Bioshock Infinite for a second there. You got it. But no, it's good. Thank you for that, JP. That's right. I appreciate you taking the reins there and, and putting my questionable grey matter to the test. Let us know, listeners, if you got it in less than 18 questions yeah yeah let's see what the benchmark is but um (laughs) yeah we'll bring back the carousel of chaos again next week with another new game for the month so i'm excited to uh, test your might jp on the next one let's jump over to the last segment of thg 331 the week that's yet to come presented by dash water Shout out to Dashwater. No calories, no sugars, no sweetness. Just delicious, tasty, carbonated beverage that is good for you and tastes great too. And tap water so JP, too. Shout out to tap water. Yeah, tap, tap water is great. I'm Okay, quick question on tap water. Uh, do you like prefer cold or just say still water in general? Because you know how some people like room temperature water? I like, it I like my water cold. Straight from the tap for me. That's, that's my way. Okay, so you don't have like a jug 
that you put nah. in the fridge of cold tap water. You just straight out of the tap, straight down the gullet. No, just straight from the tap. That's that's good enough for me. And you know, generally sitting in a drink bottle for long enough that it wouldn't be still chilled anyway. So, I like to keep yeah, one. Of mine those doesn't around. last that long. Yeah. I, I can't really sip water, which is a good thing, but also it makes me wee all the time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, first world problems there. But uh, something that isn't problems for you listeners is the week that is yet to come. We're going to throw some things out there for y'all to check out, whether it be listening to, watching, playing, doing, etc., etc. And the first thing I want to mention is I want to shout out to Love Letters, which is a new podcast that our man Jesse over at Story Mode recently released in the past few weeks. And the way the show works is every episode, he brings on a friend to discuss a particular game, film, or television show that has impacted them as a person. It's not necessarily like this is the best game of all time or the best movie, it's what's something that's impacted you and you know shaped who you have become and why. So they, they have a very candid and very raw and open conversation about a whole host of things. And uh, yeah, well worth your time. So check out Love Letters, which is uh, yeah hosted by our boy Jesse over there at Story Mode on all the good podcast platforms. If you're looking for things to watch, JP, though, this week, Season 9 of Forged in Fire making its way to Binge and Foxtel. So if you want to watch random American everyday Joes build knives that they can potentially kill people with you can do so over there on season nine of forge and fire ahsoka season one is dropping this coming week on disney plus i think we're getting the first two episodes dropping on wednesday so get excited for that and season two of invasion which is uh you know tied into alien invasions and paranormal second season of that is dropping on apple tv plus this week as well we've also got gamescom uh dropping all over the internet and all over the world, based over there in Germany this week. And as far as, excuse me, dash water getting me gassy there. Overstimulated by the lack of sugar and sweetness, just naturally delicious, refreshing flavor there. But yeah, gaming, Fort Solace, Immortals of Avium, Smurfs Kart. So somehow the Smurfs have got their own karting offshoot. WrestleQuest, which looks really interesting. Blasphemous 2, Unpacking, making its way to mobile. And Armored Core 6, fires of rubicon making its way to every platform so jp plenty of things to watch plenty of things to play plenty of things to do and embrace mm. this week jp where would you put your time out of that list or maybe there's something i haven't mentioned that you're down for no that that's all very good uh first of all shout out echoed to jesse with his podcast love letters i didn't i wasn't aware of this so i must have missed it but it sounds like a great idea and i'd love to to be on there jesse if you're looking for guests that sounds like a lot of fun uh secondly fort solace i'm interested in this uh it's it doesn't seem like a triple a um studio it seems like kind of that double a space and that makes it intriguing Mm -hmm. to me because they have got uh i know troy baker and roger clark known as arthur morgan in red dead redemption mm-hmm. 2 uh past guest of putting in work but yeah seeing those two together we'll see what they can cook up as far as the those dramatic performances i'm very interesting uh, sorry i'm very interested in what kind of narrative we're going to get from that studio um it's yeah it's kind of like a mid-tier publisher so it's not your big triple a and i feel like that means maybe they can take a bit more of a risk with the story and might get something interesting out of that sci-fi experience. So it won't be one I play straight away just because of when it's landing probably. Uh, we're in the we're in the wake of Starfield now. It feels like people out there are starting to play it. You're seeing people with the startup screens mm-hmm. and the review mm-hmm. copies and I know uh, someone who's playing it. So kind of yeah, not been talking about it but aware that it's out there and it's getting me 
Getting me jazzed up, Brendan. It's getting me jazzed up. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that you're getting jazzed up by Starfield. Yeah, I'm I'm keen as mustard to uh, yeah get involved in Starfield in, in the coming days slash weeks slash months because it feels like it's going to be big old juicy boy. So mm-hmm. can't wait. But yeah, Fort Solace looks, looks all the best parts of creepy. Like I love me some some science fiction with some, yeah. some real horror vibes to it. And yeah, the, the two... The two leads you mentioned as far as lending their vocal talents to it. Like, yeah, two heavy hitters of the industry. So it looks really, really good. WrestleQuest, if you want to do a bit of a old throwback wrestling game RPG, check that out as well. Armored Core, I've got no skin in this game. Like, I know when that was announced and that from software all over this, people were horny as horny can be for that. But I'm just like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm happy for you guys. I'm not going to play it. I'm going to watch from the sidelines and see what it's about. But also Immortals of Avium looks interesting to me as well um, as far as a, a big action RPG that uh, could potentially be good or it could be a nicer mid-tier AA offering in parallel to like a Fort Solace. So plenty to play this week, but also I can't wait for Ahsoka. I cannot wait to see what they do with that show. I'm on a little bit of a, a, a Marvel down, down spiral, downturn. Like I'm very much like meh on Marvel at the mm. moment, but I'm hopeful after the latest sort of go around with stuff they've thrown at us from the Star Wars universe that Ahsoka could be pretty good. Hope, so, uh, so let's get that into our eyes this week because, yeah, it's dropping on Wednesday. I think we're getting two episodes for this week to, to get us excited as we wait to see what Thrawn's going to be doing. And mm, bring it on. Bring it on, JP. But, yeah, that's the end of episode 331 of THG. Jono, anything you wanted to mention or shout out before we close this sucker down for another week? Yeah, I just wanted to shout out all the uh, listeners that showed us some love over the last week with the return of THG. It was really cool to see positive reception, people excited for the podcast to be back, uh, to have Brendan back in their ear holes after a bit of a break. So um, yeah, thanks to, to everyone that was showing 8-bit some love on the uh, on the socials. So it's, uh, it, it goes a long way and I, I think, you know, after, after taking a bit of time off, you might naturally start to wonder if, if if you've been missed so i think yeah it was nice to see that um that love for for the big dog yeah it certainly uh turned on the emotional lights in this big old heart that's for sure like it is it is shining through me uh you know almost need sunglasses when you're around me at the moment because the heart is very full so yeah thank you everyone for for checking out what we're doing here and yeah, giving us giving us all the positive uh positive feedback because yeah it's it's very much appreciated this is yeah the eighth season of THG, which is still crazy to think about. And uh, it's nice that there's still an appetite there for for the Hungry Gamers. And um, yeah, very thankful for everyone uh, tuning, tuning in and, and showing up. And, and yeah, just just putting putting all the love out there because it means the world to us. So yeah, thank you. But uh, yeah, listeners, obviously rate, view, subscribe, us and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular because it takes no time, costs you no money, and it's just a positive, good karma gesture. So uh, do that when you can. Keep those emotional lights on, not only in mine and JP's hearts, but all the podcasters' hearts by doing that. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, we're back for episode 332 of THG. Much love. Stay hungry. I'll see you around.